following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so... So, um, I figured before Hanukkah, we'll, we'll, since Hanukkah, many people tend to gamble, ones, even ones who don't do it all year. So, I figured it's a good topic to discuss. And as we'll see, if most of what we're going to talk about doesn't, what people's perception of gambling is as far as, uh, in, at least in religion, it's not as, it's, it's different than what people think. So, just to start with a joke. Maybe it's not a joke, but the guy, there's six uh, Jewish guys playing uh, playing poker in a condo in Florida. And um, one one guy, Meyer, loses $500, single hand, clutches his chest, falls down to the floor. And uh, you know, everyone, all the colleagues show respect, fallen colleagues, they continue play, but they continue the rest of the game standing up. And then at the end of the game, they say, you know, who's going to go tell his wife? Someone got to go tell the wife. You know, so they say, okay, this one guy agrees. Finkelstein says he's going to go down, tell the wife. Um, not, and so, you know, you have to be gentle. You got to be sensitive. So he goes and knocks on the door, and he says, uh, he goes over to the condo to, to the wife, and he says, uh, what is she, she opens the door. She says, what do you want? He says, your husband just lost $500 in a poker game. She says, tell him to drop dead. Okay, okay. He goes and he leaves. Okay, so um, no one laughed at my joke. No one laughed at my joke. I like the wife jokes better. <laughs> it is a wife joke. So the question is, interestingly enough, um, the the Talmud discusses gambling. Gambling is not a new concept. It's been around for a very long time, and the Talmud. Um, does nowhere does do you find at least in the Torah or in the Talmud that prohibits gambling? Doesn't uh, doesn't say anywhere that it's prohibited. What it does say, the Mishnah says, the Mishnah in, in tractate Sanhedrin, which states, "Someone no put, no put money in." No. The Mishnah we're gonna we're gonna gamble it. Use the use it as the path. So the Mishnah, the Mishnah states like this, it says, it's, it's a long list of people that are disqualified as witnesses in the Jewish court of law. Okay, um, the Mishnah is dealing with testimony. So there's a long list of people that are disqualified. I can go into all the whole list, but amongst that list um, of disqualifications for being a witness, it says someone who is, it calls it Mesachek Bikuvia. It means someone who plays with dice. Literally the word is playing with dice. It also talks about um, another type of gambling in the Mishnah, if I remember, it says also someone who, what's called mafricha yonim, they would have um, pigeon, I don't know what the English word is, you know, send out pigeons, and I guess the pigeons would race, and uh, whichever pigeon gets, messenger pigeon, whoever gets there first, that's how they did also bet, bet on the pigeons. So it says those two people, people who do that, are disqualified from, uh, from, um, from testifying in the Jewish court of law, okay? So it says. So the question is, so that's against among. It's amongst a long list. It discusses the thieves. There's um, different types of people. Your mother-in-law. Is it a good or bad thing to be disqualified? <laughs> right. So, so no, like for I got example, duty. I'd like to be disqualified. No, no, it means so. it means that there's something we don't trust so your testimony. It's a bad thing. Depends who you ask. Okay. 
For example, another, another, other people on the list would be this uh, relatives, obviously. It says uh, mother-in-law can't testify for about a son-in-law. Good to know. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay, and there's a long list of other disqualifications. So, so the, the Gemara there, the Talmud, on discussing that, says why, why, what's the problem with someone who plays with dice? Why is that a problem? And why do we view that necessarily as a problem? So it actually brings two opinions there. The Gemara discusses two opinions, and it says, opinion number one, which is number two on Yeshiva, it says, Rami Barchama, Rami the son of Barchama, says dice playing involves what, what's called an asmachta. It's a fascinating concept. Uh, the Talmud discusses in other contexts that there are certain things which you, you, can't, um, you can't acquire, meaning you're, it's, it's considered a certain level of thievery certain instances. So asmachta, the way it's interpreted there in the Talmud, is, it says like this, it says a condition imposed on an obligation where an individual promises to make a payment but conditions that payment on some eventuality that the individual regards as unlikely. That the, so that promise is halachically invalid. Okay, so that means if, if you basically are saying, I'll pay you X amount based on this outside condition, um, if this and this happens, um, and we're not, again, we're not talking about a business investment, we're talking about certain types of, uh, of where you're saying, I'll pay you if this and this, if X, if X happens. So Talmud says the assumption is that the guy who's making it, that bet, so to speak, he's assuming that he's going to win. So therefore, even when he loses, and right, and he's giving you his money willingly, but the assumption is he doesn't, he really is giving that with a half a heart. He assumed he's not going to have to give you that money. And therefore, it says taking that money is prohibited in the certain sense of rabbinic prohibition, similar to thievery. Okay? So that's, that's called a smarta lokanya, meaning, because anytime you make an acquisition, you acquire something, the assumption is there's what's called both parties um, are agreeing to the, to the acquisition, okay? to, the, to the, what's called a kinyan. But if you have one of the parties knowingly is not doing it, to sort of being forced to do it, so then you know, halacha will say, Jewish law will say, you can't, you have no right really to take that money. Okay, it needs to be clear that both parties are in total agreement. What they're saying is in a case of a bet, let's say in a case of what we're discussing, say a dice player bets, bets money, so he, the assumption is he really believes when you're betting, when you're making a bet, that he's going to win the bet. If he would think he, if he would know at the time that he's going to lose the bet, he clearly wouldn't be betting. Okay, that's the assumption, says the Talmud. Therefore, as a result, when he loses, he's forced to pay, he's forced to give out that money, but he never really intended to part with that money. Therefore, says the Talmud, that's an asmachta, and it's um, rightfully, even the guy who won the bet is not supposed to take the money. Okay, that's, that's opinion number one. According to this opinion, it's not, again, it's not, you're not a thief, because the guy obviously offered to give you the money, but the, the, uh, the point is it's a rabbinic definition of, of a thief, maybe, in that sense, that you, rightfully you shouldn't take the money, because the assumption is the guy really doesn't want to, he didn't want to part with that money, he assumed he's going to win. Okay, that makes sense? Everyone's looking at me like I'm... <laughs> Ed, say something. You know, do you, do you hear the do you hear the rationale? I think rationale is a little cockamamie. Yeah, why? Because right. you have to assume that, that a gambler uh, understands odds. For the next few days. And he's, he's playing those odds 
with a with, with wide open eyes. Who's who's playing? You say when someone's the gambler. Any the gambler isn't just kind of wishing. He's he's doing a, a risk benefit odds analysis. I don't know which gambler you hang out with. <laughs> Depends where. Anyone you're. that's a real gambler knows. Real, real oh, gamblers so know that there's a better there's a the probability is they can lose while swimming. If you're if you're playing against uh, on a one on one game, right. and you're a good gambler, you have a 50 50 chance of winning. If you're playing against the house in Vegas, you have a 60 40. Or a 40, 60 no, I don't think the numbers are depending on on what you what game you're playing and, and the stakes and everything. A power slot machine might have a three percent key by the house and a nickel slot might have. Okay, but but so what are you saying? So you're saying everyone who walks in to Vegas. They, they walk into the casino. They understand. I would say I would disagree with that. I would say most people don't understand the odds. If they knew the odds. They wouldn't be playing. There are some people, professional gamblers, who they, know they, the odds. They know that they know the they know there's odds, and that they're they're not going to win. They know there's a risk. I don't know if they know the numbers. They know the odds are not. No, the odds. No, Panzu. I know the odds, but I know there's. Yeah, you know, but there there is gambling. Most of it is exactly like you say that that there's just there's a 50-50 chance where they're going to win or lose, and then you pay a juice usually says less. But the only deal is if I'm a professional poker player or yeah. something, and where I have an, uh, a, a tremendous skill and I'm playing against a, a novice, yes, then there's a higher likelihood that I'm going to win, and, and you know which would mean that there's a good chance for the person who's benefiting from it to to do it, but. In most cases, the odds take into account everything. Yeah, but what I'm saying, I don't, so I, I don't agree with you completely. What I'm saying is, let me, and then I'll get to David. What I'm saying is, I think most non non professional gamblers, if they go, if you know, someone's going on a trip to Vegas, they stop in the casino or Cachada or wherever Atlantic City, they don't know the odds. If they would know the real numbers, they wouldn't do it. No, they know Because that, because in most cases, you know necessarily, you know you're going to either win or you're not. Okay. Always but they're saying still, the chances still of winning are so involved. slim. No, there's still maybe luck involved. Yeah, there's luck. But I'm saying, so there's luck in the lottery also. Vegas. But it's one in three mil billion chances you're going to no. win. People that go to Vegas look up and they know that there aren't beautiful chandeliers <laughs> and, and sexy women and, and, you know, the most opulence that they ever get to see on games that you're going to win. They, they know that they might win, but the odds are stacked against them. Now, a professional gambler knows what those odds are. He might say to himself, okay, the odds are stacked 5% against me. How much am I willing to lose over a long period of time of gambling for my entertainment in Vegas? Right, okay. Because so I, I know I'm not going to really be able to come out a winner. And then there's a casual gambler that says, ah, I read the book last night on the airplane. I'm going I'm to beat the house. Nobody believes that they're going to go break the house over time. Over time, any given moment, you you could win. But over over, that's why I actually think the novice has a better chance than a professional, because the professional has to keep going back. 
So we're going to talk about it. It's very important. That distinction. That distinction is important. Yeah. I get the decision. It's a decision made only for games, because in that if I say stock market, hey, if my stock portfolio goes up forty percent this year, I'm going to give this or I'm going to do this. Is it? So good. That's a good question. Why? Why is the stock market different than gambling? Meaning, it's the same thing. You're betting. You're betting on the market. What is legalized gambling? That's a good question. We're going to address that. Any investment, really. So that's the point. So we're going to talk about that. The way we're going to get there, but the way I understand it is. That's the, that's exactly well. well let, let me let me get that. I'm gonna get to the second one. I don't want to jump the gun. Okay, so so th this is opinion number one says that there's a certain level of of thievery involved in gambling because the fact that they're assuming, again, we're not talking those days they didn't have casinos like we have today, but in your average gam gambling situation, in the times of the Talmud, they were saying the assumption is the guy thinks he's gonna win because if he knows he wouldn't win, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be betting. Therefore. At the end of the day, when he loses, he's not willingly giving up his money. And again, it's not like the Ten Commandments saying, thou shalt not steal. It's not literally theft, but in, the rabbi said it's, a, it's what they call smells of theft. And therefore, they said you, shouldn't, you can't take his money. That's opinion number one. Now, opinion number two says, B, Rav disagrees. He says, dice playing does not involve a smart because he's saying like Ed and like some of you were saying, which is that the guy knows he's going to lose. Therefore, it's not considered a smart. Meaning, he knows the the odds, and therefore he knows going into the game that there's a good chance he's going to lose. And therefore, he, he's giving up on the money when he walks in. Right? Most many people I know, when uh, if you walk into a casino, you know that money that I have in my pocket is gone. The assumption is I'm, I'm, you know, it's finished. This money is to be spent. I'm never going to see it again. So if that's the mindset, so that's fine. And therefore, you're not. The person who gets the money is not stealing. So if you find uh, money on the floor of a casino, can you keep it? It's a different question. So I gave up hope. Well, if, if the assumption is the person gave up hope. Anytime, anytime you find money, by the way, you're allowed to keep it. Unless, there's a, unless it's in a wallet. Unless there's a sim symbol on it that can... But the assumption is anytime you find cash, you can keep it. That's right. I just returned $100,000. Yeah, 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 he's an idiot. He's a, <laughs> you saw that video? This rabbi in Connecticut, did you see he that? He bought a desk on Craigslist. Yeah. He should have come to your class. Right, well, he, he wasn't obligated to return. I thought it was a, it was some woman. But there, it wasn't him. I thought it was no, some no, he bought the desk. No, no, he bought the desk. He oh, came he home. He couldn't fit it through his door, so he oh. took it apart. And while he was taking it apart, he found the stash, ninety-eight thousand dollars in cash. No, you see that story? Yeah. I bet the IRS is all over this one. Yeah. So she, so he returned it, which technically speaking, he didn't have to do it. It's a beautiful story. He's a hero, but he, halachically, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to return it. He could have done a lot of mitzvahs with that money. Did he legally have to return it? No. Uh, uh, legally? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the law, but I doubt it. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> What's the law? You know the law? Well, they couldn't, I don't know. They couldn't prove brought the desk lawfully. You know the law? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think he legally had to return it. I don't think so. Anyway, it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's good to have at least some positive, once in a while, to have a, a positive a rabbi story. story. Just a positive rabbi story, no, which is rare, right, but right, it's not a beautiful story. Right, most of the time, the rabbis in the news are, are negative. I'm prodding least, somebody or whatever. At least we had a positive rabbi story. Okay. That, that was good. Um, so now the second opinion says, second opinion there in the Talmud says, no, there's nothing, there's no theft whatsoever when it comes to gambling. It's not a problem at all. There's really nothing wrong with it. 
But he says the only issue is when he says the Mishnah that's disqualifying gamblers from testifying in, in the Jewish court of law. It's not because they're thieves. He says it's, it's we're talking about a chronic gambler. That means that's his whole profession. He's a professional gambler. That's his job. He makes his living from gambling. So he says it's just a moral issue. He's saying someone there's no there's nothing wrong with taking the money. What's but, the moral issue? I mean, but he says he says because. Uh, he says they're not osik. The what the hell does a lawyer contribute so to society? Right. So he's saying the point is that we're not someone who is not productive. Is, that's all he does is go to casinos all day. He's not a productive member of society, and therefore he's not someone we we trust, understand. Okay. But he did nothing wrong. Meaning, so the guy wants he got a, he he got a windfall from his rich uncle. He wants to spend all his time in the casino. It's fine. He's not doing anything. Not illegal. He's not violating any laws. He's not stealing money, but he's not some. He's not a productive member of society. People who sit and watch uh, Dr. Phil all day, we don't want them. We don't trust them. Understand? Okay. People who, who that's their whole life. Is, so therefore, people that are on welfare are not productive, and they should not, not be called, able to. Uh, let's not go. No. What we're saying is someone. You know, that's more unproductive than a gambler. So you, it's a good what question. Meaning, what? How do we define unproductive? What? No, we're not saying there's something wrong by the fact. What we're saying is someone makes a choice. God forbid, if someone uh, has an illness. Right, if someone makes a choice that I'm going to spend my life sitting at a blackjack table, there's a problem with that person. That's a choice. Someone is is ill and they can't work. That's something else. That's saying, how he chose to make a, a living. Choice. That's how he chose to make a living. Okay, so that's what we're saying. That's there's a problem with that person. That's how he chose to make his living. That's a problem. That's what that's what the that's what this opinion is saying. And therefore, we're not going. It's, it's a matter of trust. It's it's somewhat um, again non-productive members of society sometimes have an issue of trust, and therefore we're not going to put them up on the stand. The what? This opinion was from the Sanhedrin. Not from the Sanhedrin. It's in tractates and. Whoever had that opinion was wrong. <laughs> so you like the first one better, saying it's stealing? What, gambling? Yeah, you'd rather say it's stealing than... No, it's not. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not, you know... So you don't like both opinions? You're saying both opinions are... Mischaracterization. No, I'm saying I which one? First, the A first or B? opinion is mixing up two different words. Yeah. It's conflating hoping and expecting. I mean... In, on the one hand, you're, you are hoping. No, hey, everyone hopes to win, but that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. No, that's what I'm saying. The first opinion is saying no; they're expecting to win, and therefore, if you take their money, you're, you're again, it's it's some some level of theft. Second opinion is saying no, like you're saying, they're only hoping to win. This these two opinions are arguing in exactly what you and me are arguing. The same concept. First opinion is saying they're expecting to win, and therefore you can't take their money. Second opinion is saying no, they're hoping everyone hopes to win, but they're not. No, they're not thinking they're only going to win. But, right, they know so, the odds so are stacked you, against you, them. Therefore, the second opinion says it's only a moral issue. It's not a, it's not a legal issue. Do you think it's stealing? Okay. You personally? It's irrelevant, one of my opinions. No, because, because no, it's really important. Because if I earn money gambling, and I say if I gamble, I'm going to donate money to you. So that's a different question. That means question. it's ill-gotten money. So we're going to get there. Stealing. Stock you can't is different. And it gets to charity. We'll get to charity. Never seen a rabbi term. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to charity. It'll, it'll got money. They're not supposed to be able to pay. We'll get to. We'll get charity. Could be different. But if you wander it twice removed, yeah. it's You're okay right? to take them out. I wouldn't go. Hey, that effort. Are you? Uh, right. We're gonna talk about it. If the prostitute buys a goat, it's right. okay. Right. 
No, if she received a goat as payment, that's a problem. No, yeah, if she got money, she could buy a goat. Right. And if she fine. got a goat, she could trade it for another goat to give to the rabbis. Right. right. You know, so you have to launder it twice removed to, to give it This to is the past class. I find that. I find that. No, no, no. I came up with tzedakah and charity that rabbis are not allowed to take ill-gotten money. So they couldn't take a donation from the mafia. Okay. Okay. Well, so that's how we got onto the issue. Yeah, but, accept well, that's why I was thinking his opinion because if it's if, it, if I earn my money ill-gotten by gambling, which he says is, is stealing. So no, the, only the first opinion says stealing. We get there. So let's talk, uh, so we're talk about yours. It. So I'm saying it's irrelevant. My opinion. I can't. <laughs> my opinion is I go whatever, whatever the the rabbi says. Ill-gotten or not, he'll take it. <laughs> let's get. Let's get. Let's let's discuss. Okay. Correct. So now. I can't argue on the Gemara. I'm just a little, you know, I don't get pay, so it's beyond my pay scale. They're much higher, paid much better than I. I can't argue on them. Okay, so, but it's, there's two opinions here. I don't, we don't get to choose. The Shulchan Aruch, Rambam, and Manalis, they decide between opinions. He for sure thinks. Okay, so, let's, so, let's, so now what's the difference? At the end of the day, they're both saying, don't, that they can't testify. What's the diff practical difference between these two opinions? They're both saying they, they're, they're just interpreting the Mishnah as to the rationale why we don't allow them to testify. Question is, um, what, what's the practical difference? So the practical difference would be if it's not a professional gambler, right? If someone just visits Vegas occasionally, they go to Cushada once a month or whatever the case is, right? So in that case, according to the first opinion, there's still a problem because because that money they're taking from that once a month visit to Kashara is a form of theft, right? But according to the second opinion, since it's not their, they have another job, right? They're just once a month they take off and they and they go for a day to gamble. So that there's nothing morally wrong with that. We're saying it's not stealing. It's only the guy, the person who's an unproductive member of society who's gambling. He's a chronic gambler or he's a, he's a professional gambler. This is what he does for a living. That's the issue. But the guy. Who, uh, who occasionally <laughs> takes a trip to Vegas and gambles, there's nothing wrong with that, according to the second opinion, and we're going to let that guy testify. So there's a practical difference between the two opinions as far as, uh, as, far as testifying. Because again, according to the second opinion, it's only the guy who, who doesn't have another form of income. But if he has another form of income, so that's fine. So Make that's sense? how you differentiate is another form of income. You're okay even if you According still second opinion, yeah. even if you still do illicit activities to get part no, of your income. Not illicit. Gambling, which is gambling is not illicit. That's the point. Oh, it's not sure. illicit. What we're saying is, it's the person sure. who's up. It's only the person who's well, it's unproductive. It's a hobby versus a profession. Then, if you got another job, it's right? Exactly. That's what we're saying. If it's a hobby, it's okay. According to the second opinion. Well, if it's a, what if it's a if that's your profession. This is a little unusual, as I understand all of this halakha stuff yeah. because it, it's looking at, at motive rather than action. No, so it's not. No, on the contrary, it's not motive. According to the second opinion, we're looking at is this a productive member of society or not? So we judge if a guy's that's all he does is hang out in casinos. You judge, that's his, you judge his total so it's, it's not motive, it's, it's the action. Meaning if this guy is just sits in a casino all day, then we, he's not a productive member of society. Then it, that's the gambling that we have a problem with. That's hardly a crime. A guy shows up once in a while to a casino. That's fine. What about a blackjack dealer who's? Hey, so okay, we'll get. I have it. We'll get. We'll discuss. I mean, the owners. What about the owners? It's like Edelstein. 
right? Adelson, Sheldon Adelson, right? The guy who gave uh, he gave like three million, six million dollars or something to, to Romney. Obviously, the Romney not, campaign. Not a productive member of society. <laughs> no, he he owns uh, casinos all over. Um, so so we're gonna talk about him. Um, so one second, okay. So you guys, so we got the practical difference. So now, what? Who do we rule like? Which of these two opinions do we rule with? Do we say it's the first opinion, the theft, or again, this is in the Talmud, so it's not for us to decide. What does the what does the Shulchan Aruch say? What does the Code of Jewish Law say? So, so the um, the Rama, who's the amendment to the to the Code of Jewish Law, says he seems to rule like the second opinion. He says if he has another occupation, okay, as long as the guy has another job, even if he plays dice. Um, with Jews, we don't disqualify him as a witness. Um, and he says the custom is already spread in accordance with the latter opinion to permit playing dice. So the Shochan in the Code of Jewish Law, according to Ashkenazim at least, this is the Ashkenazic Amendment, says that you know if you play occasional dice, as long as that's not your profession, we're good. We're good with that. So it's okay to have your occasional poker game. Okay, that's sort of according to that opinion. Um, not everyone, as we'll see, there's other issues. We'll talk about addiction and other things. Basically, that's, that opinion is saying, seems to be ruling like that, like that aspect, that it's okay to, uh, to play poker once in a while. Okay? No lunch for you? No lunch? Um, okay, so, so uh, the question is... <laughs> so, so, so let's go through some practical applications so we can get to the charity part so the first question is what about playing the lottery right so, um, so again a lot of it would be dependent on this concept of I, I think and this is where we disagree maybe is when you play anyone who plays lotto over there they know you know the odds are, are not stacked against them. in a casino I'm not sure but when playing the lottery, everyone knows it's one in 17 billion chances are you playing lotto. So, so there, there wouldn't be an issue. There's no problem, even though you're gambling technically. Again, because even according to the first opinion, if, you, if we know that you, know, you understand the odds, and you're going into it knowing that there's a good chance you're going to lose the money, then, so then both so opinions would agree it's fine. It's the motive, not the outcome. I wouldn't call that motive. Oh yeah, in that case, yes. Yeah, so you're right. If we know initially that you're you know the odds here clearly, clearly, and you're ready to, to lose your money, then then you're right. Even according to the first opinion, technically it's not an issue because it's it's not. Of course, the lotteries it really depends on who's running the lottery. Oh, we're if about the, the government run. runs the lottery, they no, return only about forty-two percent back to the game. When the mafia runs the lottery. They return about 90% to the gambler and have about a 10% keep. So, if you look at the numbers, yeah, I mean, what lotteries? What's mafia lottery? Well, when the mafia runs a numbers game. Oh, you mean a rack of numbers rack? Okay. They they return about 90% to the gambler. I didn't know so much about. That's good. Because my uncle was a numbers runner. <laughs> okay. Well, in Pittsburgh, yeah, first, no. all, first of all, the the government doesn't take 60%. It probably costs us 80% for them to run it. And they run well, deficit, so they don't take anything by, by deficit. It's one of the few profitable. No, you know, it's profitable because they give a very small amount back to the gamblers. But it's not near as profitable as it should be. They right. were supposed to lower the taxes and everything else, which it never did when they passed the laws, because it never made the return because it cost them too much to operate with their inefficiency. 
And then, so, and then we have to subsidize the gamblers, too. Again, Ed, now, just because you know the numbers, the question is, your average guy is playing. That's really the question. Does he know the numbers or not? Ed, you understand what I'm saying? Meaning, we need to know. You might be very well educated because you're uncle. But for your average, you know, Joe on the street, the question is, does he understand those numbers? I'm claiming that if you walk, I don't know the numbers. When I walk into the casino, I don't know my odds. I mean, I, I'm you assuming know that they're stacked against you. I know that, but I'm saying I don't think I'm not sure most people. Believe. Most people know that the occasional gambler knows that, but these people who, who go there weekly, they, I'm they, not sure. Trust me, the people that go there weekly, they're going for fun. They know that no, over no, time. Listen, I've, I don't know if you ever been in big halls. I looked into this, by the way, because you know in Texas the law. I mean, many states have a law that you're allowed to if you're a nonprofit. You're allowed to set up. You're allowed to set up gambling. You know that? 5013C in the state of Texas, you can have bingo games, and that's why you see all these bingo holes. Yeah, but they they're all limit, run by they non limit the games. You can't like set up a dice table. Yeah, bingo. It's bingo. You can give scratch offs. They sell scratch offs. Yeah. So I went to check this out. I have a nonprofit, so I said, let me. I was in San Antonio. Someone told me because there's the there's a synagogue in San Antonio. They pay their rabbi salary and. They, the Varakash was like the school, everything is paid for by bingo yep. in the city of San Antonio. So I remember Shabbat Shalom. Rabbi up in Akron, Ohio, got arrested for, for messing with his bingo, bingo? game. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so I went, I was in San Antonio. So I, I called the guy. I called this woman. I was checking out actually for my son's school. They said, Can you, I was on the board, and they said, Can you check this out for us? So I went <coughs> up there. I was there. I, I visited the bingo hall with the person who runs it. I found out all the rules and everything. So, um, why am I telling you this? The odds. Oh, well, yeah, I'm seeing these people that come. It's sad. I, I just, I came back, I reported to the board. The people that come and play there, these are the lowest class. I mean, they have like a cage, one, like one glass enclosed thing where everyone's smoking. I mean, these are people coming in and <laughs> breathing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sad situation. Those people do not know their odds. I can tell you for sure. They do not, and they're there every day. It's daily, and they have six. To, all well, the bingo halls are in bad neighborhoods. I think it's like seven acres too. They do it daily. Yeah, but they're saying that they're not playing for money. These people are. I'm spending. The ones that know their name know the odds. These people are coming in with their EBT cards. They're they're buying hundred scratch offs. Besides the bingo, the main money so they told the me are from scratch offs that they that the place makes money from. They're spending their their welfare checks on on. That's great. It's like lottery. It's the best way to tax the poor. It's a great for non-profit. The point is they don't know their odds. I guarantee you these people do not know their odds. People know that they're not going to... People can't go... These people, I don't believe people go in. I don't care there's a, what class of person they are. I'm sure if they go in and they know they're gambling, they know that they may win and they know that they may not win. When there's 300 people, there's 300 people <laughs> in the room and eight people won that night, they kind uh, of figured it out. It's not true because they'll say, as a matter of fact, that the, when the guy was explaining what... How to do it? He said, you don't understand. Everything, these people are, it's all good luck. If you come around this side, they won't buy it. If you <laughs> show it to them this way, you say eight tickets, eight is a lucky number. Like, his whole skill to how to, how to rip these people off. My brother was it's in this way, uh, bingo. My brother I'm saying, they in really believe in this industry, stuff. Industry, and he, he had customers, this is just a fun story, but, but he had customers come to the that's okay he's dead <laughs> so they won't come out but, but he had customers that would come in to play bingo at the bingo parlor or slots at the slot mm -hmm. and 
they would literally leave if somebody was already sitting in their seat. Right. Yeah, they're lucky seats. They're pillows. I'm telling you, but people it's like are sad. People get upset as shul if you're in their seat. Yeah, but this is they they won't they won't oh, yeah. buy the ticket. Depending on how you say it and what you ask them, how many numbers. You know, they want the tenth ticket on the stack. They'll tell you, I want to like the, start from ten down. I mean, these people are. are yeah. 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 It's, yeah. It's only weird if it doesn't work. The Budweiser commercial <laughs> <laughs> said it. You know, they got all you know, the sports fans doing all this weird stuff. And then they got right. a field goal or something. It's like, hey, it's only weird if it doesn't work. I mean, it works. Like, it's like, it's, like, it's most normal. It's kind of the same, same thing. So, so um, you didn't so do it. You advised him against it. It was just, it was so sad. I couldn't, I couldn't. And it's, it's like these poor people. <laughs> no, but it's not so Oh, sad. yes, you're right. So they should go buy alcohol and smoke cigarettes instead. The second alternative is a bingo. Oh, they smoke it anyway. Yeah, so yeah, what's, it's the plus the the, what's the difference? You know, it's, you're, what, you're trying to save the world here? Yeah, my job. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the city of Houston, you know, it has to be like Stafford. That's, you can't be in the city. Yeah. The city of Houston doesn't allow bingo even for nonprofit. It's like Westerners. Really? Maybe it's Bel Air. Maybe Bel Air. Maybe Bel Air. Could be the city of Bel Air. Awesome. Anyway, okay, so let's just, we got to finish. Alan. Listen, listen. So, so, uh, so the issue again, the, the really the difference, there is a difference here. It's interesting. In the, in the original code of Jewish law was written by someone named Yosef Cairo around 650 years ago. He and he was Sephardi. He was Sephardic, and he ruled. Like I said, he really ruled like the first opinion. Okay, so for Sephardim and the Ramah, who was the Ashkenazic Amendum, ruled like the second opinion. So therefore, depending on if you're Sephardi or Ashkenazi, it would make a difference how strict. And in the first opinion again is saying it's literally theft. Second opinion saying, as long as you're not you're not professional, you're fine. Okay, so now, so just based on that, I saw many, there's a response in discussing lottery tickets, right, and they say, one another another leniency with the lottery is that the paper, the ticket has intrinsic value. Okay, as opposed to, let's say, a poker game. I'm not buying any, when I put my money down, a poker game, there's nothing that I'm getting in return. When you go buy a lottery ticket, you're purchasing something that has intrinsic value. That ticket could be sold. It's a, it's a, it's a, item, it's a product on the market. Okay, so since it has intrinsic value, that's not called a smachta, meaning there's, you're getting something for your money. You're getting a lottery ticket. Okay, that's another uh, leniency that they discussed. <laughs> you don't like that. Either. So the point is, the point so is, Kenyan, meaning, again, we need so to know... So much of this is, is figuring out how to make a loophole. Yeah, listen, that's what it's about. The point is, when you're paying for something, Again, you have to. We have to know that you really are ready to give up your money for that item in the acquisition part. So if you're not getting anything in return, the assumption is you're not going to give. You're not. You're not. You're not ready to give up your money. But if I'm getting an item, we're here. I'm buying a ticket. I get a ticket. The question is: Are you going to? Are, are you going to be satisfied when that guy wins the lotto on the ticket you sold him for a buck? What? Say it again. You, you sold him your ticket. You bought a ticket. And you paid a ticket for a dollar. You sold it for two dollars. You sold it for two. You made a profit. So you made a yeah. So As you made a value. So you made a profit, and then he wins the lotto on that ticket. You're not going to be happy. Listen, it doesn't mean not not being happy doesn't mean it wasn't a valid acquisition. But 
But you could make the same argument that, that this first Asmachta uh, made, right. that the guy really didn't think he was selling anything of value. He didn't really intend to give anything away no. for that for that dollar. No, but the point is, if at the time of the sale, he was what's called gmiratat. That means he was ready to give it up for that price. But now, just because afterwards he realizes... Because he really thought it was going to be worthless, because he didn't yes. think he had... So that is a, there is winning. such a thing, by the way. So, we, so I had a case, I read a case like that, where a guy sold a lottery ticket, I don't remember the details, and then he, of course, it was winning, and he claimed... He, he made that, he wanted to make that claim. And listen, he didn't realize it was much more value because in Jewish law, if you, it's a mistaken sale, if you didn't realize, let's say, I went to a, I sold something at a garage sale. I didn't realize it was a collector's item. It was really worth, you know, $50,000. You know, I sold my kid's coin collection and I, you know, I thought it was nothing. So I sold it for 10 bucks. So in Jewish law, that is, it's an invalid sale. Not because of this, but because you didn't understand the value of, of the item. Yeah, but this didn't have value. Exactly. At the time, it was a mistake. So, okay. this was, so the value is only two bucks at the time. So the time it wasn't a mistake, but when Jacob left the land and he went away and he said, Hey, God, I'll give you 10% to charity of whatever I earn while I'm away, he didn't think he was going to earn that much. He could come back and say, Hey, oh, God, you know what? Point. Hey, you know what? But he made a deal off. with God. But he made a deal. It didn't matter. Same thing. He made a deal. You sold it. Whatever. whatever. No, saying, he, he sold He made a deal with God. Whatever he makes is 10%. He was gambling on the future. He was selling an unknown. Are deals with God different than deals between men? What? A deal with God different than deals No, no, that wasn't a bet. He, he it said, was technically. It was no, I'm saying that's. He's saying, Listen, if you take care of me, I'll take care of you. That's that. That's fine. He's talking to God. He made a deal with God. No, he, 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 it was no, but it was a monetary definition. It was not. I'll take care of you. It wasn't just a blanket statement. It was ten percent. Yeah, ten percent of my wealth. Okay, yes. Like, hey, give me, you know, whatever. Whatever you give me, I'll hey, give you ten percent. But it was a fair deal because he didn't think he was going to earn that much. Uh, he got a lot more votes than he thought. Good question. Okay, so another thing they say they talk about lottery tickets is that when there's a when. When you're not dealing with a person, which is dealing with the government, so then there's no. The point is, when you lose, I'm playing poker with you, and I lose, so then there's ill feelings, and I don't want to give you my money. When you're dealing with the government, there's always ill feelings. No. When, I lose, when, I lose, when I give to the government, I have a deep, deep ill feeling. Okay. Uh, that's you, the libertarian. Table over here. <laughs> yeah, he's libertarian, he's not even Republican. And I'm dealing with the FDA every day, which really makes me Okay, so so then I, the other thing is the last thing is that I saw is what I said before is that when you're dealing with the lottery, people know the chances are so slim that you don't have this issue at all. Okay, so now getting to the charity question. So uh, the question is, is charity different? So actually, I, t I mentioned this before. We had the attorney Greg Rosenberg. Remember he once he was here. I remember what we were talking about it. But I had a case. He was my attorney for a case. We were trying to stop an autopsy in the city, and uh, and and he took the case and he came the judge we came before this judge we were trying to get an injunction on an autopsy make a long story short and uh, the, we didn't know the judge would be the judge walks in and uh, it happens to be someone who was on the who was on my board and I know we knew him Jewish judge um, was just reappointed to the bench a few weeks ago his name is Grant Dorfman so so do you know Greg Rosenberg yeah right so he's I just need to know what this judge does if I ever need to get before a judge. So anyway, so the judge walks in. So, so normally the way it works with an injunction, we were, we were going up against the, the Harris County medical examiner. They wanted to do the autopsy. We were trying to stop. So the way it works is you have to put down a retainer because whoever, if you lose, meaning if they 
come to trial and they fight the injunction, you have to pay for the, all their, the opposite opposing sides' attorney's fees, so, which is usually it's around $5,000 you have to put down. So the, Greg Rosenberg, my attorney, goes to the judge. He says, listen, you know, I had a, Your Honor, I had a, this is in front of the judge, in the court. He says, Your Honor, last night I had a bad poker game and, uh, and uh, I really lost. And I, you know, can you lower the retainer? Can you make sure you don't have to pay? So the judge turns to me and he goes, um, he goes, uh, Rabbi, is poker permitted, Jewish law? So, so Greg, the lawyer goes, he says, Your Honor, I gave everything to, all my winnings go to Beth Yishern and Torch. That's what he, tells, uh, he tells the judge. So I said, if that's the case, it's okay. So then we continued the, the hearing. And he, go, he gave us a $5 retainer. He, we went down, the lady, the, the clerk downstairs says, I've never and seen why this. why did he not recuse himself That's a good question. On the board? Well, that's a good question. That's a very good question. That's, it was appealed afterwards. He, you know, he, in the beginning of the trial, he told the opposing side that uh, he, he knows me so, well. So He's a friend of mine. And they agreed. He gave them the option not to, he gave them the option to request. Now, the judge doesn't mean he has to listen to them, but he gave them the option. Afterwards, in their appeal, they, that, they did complain about it, that fact that he knew me. But right. I wasn't a defendant anyway. On a, I mean, Technically, I wasn't a defendant. Yeah. Technically, I wasn't a defendant. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I, I brought it to trial, but I wasn't, I wasn't a defendant. I was a witness. In any case, okay, so, so gambling for charity. So the question was, Greg Rosenberg correct in that assumption that if he gives his money to, to Bethy Sheridan or, or Torch, then that gets him off the hook. So, um, so many, they do discuss this concept that this concept, that smarta is not applicable in cases of charity. Um, because let's say, even, even for example, let's say many times you have these people say, I'll give uh, this charity X amount of money if you get a matching pledge. So technically that's a bet also, right? You're betting, the donor's hoping they don't, no one matches his pledge, right? So he doesn't have to give his money, right? He says, I'll give $10,000. This happens a lot in fundraising. If anyone's ever fundraised for a, a non-profit, so someone calls you up and says, I'll give you $15,000 if you get a matching pledge of fifteen. If you don't get the pledge by Monday, no, no money. So technically that's betting. It's the same thing. How can you take the money? So they discussed that, that that's not called, in cases like that, um, person who, who commits the match can't claim, oh, smart, he back, can't back out of the pledge, okay, when it comes to charity. Um, so, so in case of charity, what they say is, meaning again, not that your earnings are going to charity. point is, if you're betting against the charity or f about charity, so then we're saying the rules don't apply. Just because if you want it and now you want to give it to charity, that's, that doesn't help, okay? If you want it illicitly, that doesn't work, okay? So far, is it good? Um, so Bronfman did a matching for the collection for the United Jewish Appeal or something. Um, and it was a big, a big match. That's kosher. Yeah, that's what we're saying. You know, it's meaning if the chair, if you're betting not right. for charity, he'll, but he'll, he'll match right, the exactly. So that money that's raised. meaning you, so you can't, he can't claim after his own, you know, smarta. I follow Jewish law. Sorry, I'm not kidding. Right, you can't, they can't make that claim. So now, so your question before, what's the difference in the stock market? So this is, it's uh, something I had this question. I asked a number of people. So the way, the, at the end of the day, the way I understand it is two parts, two, two loopholes for the for playing the market. One is, so first of all, it's something I didn't mention, it's a very important concept, which is 
what they discuss, even in gambling, there, there's actually two conflicting opinions. They say, some say that the only time, it's similar to what you mentioned before, the only time this prohibition is applicable is when it's total luck. Okay, but if there's skill involved, so then there's no asmata, meaning because basically like you said before, if I read the book on the plane on the way to Vegas and I know, I understand everything that's going on, then I can't claim, I can't make, you know, you can't say, well, I assumed that I was going to win. You know, you read the book, you know your odds. So if we, again, anytime there's skill involved in the game, it's, it's not just the luck, you're just playing the, you know, the slot machine. That's pure luck. I don't know, maybe I'm sure there's skill there too. Play the skill. <laughs> Those, those are the people who are not productive members of society. The bingo cards is a skill. So it's the point is, someone says, one opinion I saw, an early authority says, that if the skill involved, then there's no, then the whole thing is not applicable. Because again, the skill, the assumption is, it's not just, the point is when you're relying purely on luck, that's where we assume that uh, you don't really want to, you, you assume you're going to win. But if you know what's involved, and you don't, you, you're not, and some make the opposite. You could argue the other way. The logic is, on the contrary, if, you know, if, since he thinks he knows what he's doing, so he's assuming he's going to win. So it goes both ways. So that, but the point is, when you're dealing so with, the, with the market, so depending, it's interesting, I, I spoke to a, a financial planner this morning about this. I asked him what he, what he would think. So he was saying, depends, if you're day trading, sitting in front of a computer and you're just doing a short term, you know, he says that's the same as gambling. It's, that's what he was saying. I'm not saying what Allah says. If, as opposed to if you're, there's a strategy involved and it's a long term, um, you know, investment. So you're better to have a strategy and lose money than just uh, enter and, and make money? It's, I, I think you're yeah, so I'm just saying that was his. Is, the, is the duration the, the determiner of No, because his point the was, no, his point was that if someone's just sitting in front of a computer, there's no, there's no, you know, you're just picking your stocks and you don't, you're not looking, you're not researching the company, you're not. Uh, so knows, knows, those people know everything about that company. But right, they so also, if you know what you do, maybe. Listen, he was a financial planner. They, they, they yeah, day, day traders actually are highly skilled, I would argue. I'm not talking about your professional day trader. I'm talking about, you know, some guy sitting in his living room and, and I mean, you his know, laptop. There's even been data that, that shows that the dart throwers do as well as the right. professionals. So so well, that's his point. He said the long-term investments, basically, everything's the same. You know, we know what happens over a 20-year period. So it's always the numbers are always the same. So you're really not gambling in that case. That's the point. That was his point to a certain extent. I don't know. That's not halacha. He was, was, my point is, and this, to answer your question, is the way I see it is anytime you're dealing with the market, it's not, you're not gambling. You, yes, you're taking a risk. There's risks in any, any business investment. But the point is it's an investment. That's the key difference. It's not, there's... When you're dealing with the stock market, I'm taking my money, I'm making a business investment. As opposed to, if, I, no one, if I'm going to a casino, it's not an investment. That's By sitting down to gamble. you own a piece of that company, yes, okay. By right, so therefore, that's called an investment. You shouldn't be buying options. You, of course there's risk. There's risk, like, he's, like David said, in every business, any life, business investment, there's going to be risk. Risk is not the issue. The issue is, are you doing an act of gambling where you think, you know. So as long as it's an investment, investments, people know they can lose. That's what. That's my answer for the for the market. You don't like being uh, a semi-professional gambler. Gamble a lot. The only difference between gambling on sports versus gambling in the stock market is in the stock market you pay the commission coming in and coming out. In sports, you just pay it when you lose. Okay. So it's, so they're both They're both the gambling. Gotta get your credit. Gotta get your hour. You know the market. It's an ethics organization. I can't. 
fanatics organization. Until it corrects, and then the reason why they did that is to artificially trade off the pension plans so they don't have minutes, funding minutes, issues. Give me, give me two I minutes. Mean, yeah, the market drops 20%, all of a sudden we got, we're upside down. And when, when, Yellen, when Yellen puts out tonight before her testimony that I'm going to say that, the, that we're going to keep propping it up, that's not gambling, then, when you bet that the market's Okay, so let me, let me just finish. Is there, Some people got to leave. Is there a yeah. word for gambling? Oh, well, th well, this word in the mission is misachek bikuvia, which literally means playing sichek, means to play with dice. Playing with playing dice. No word. It could be modern Hebrew. There is. I'm not familiar with it. could be modern Hebrew. There's a word for gambling. I'm sure there is. Um, okay, so now... So what about, so, so casinos, the issue is like this, so, so some want to say, anyway, going to casinos might not have the same issue, because again, you're playing against the house there. You're not playing against the individual. Um, now, again, so that's, that's what they talk about, um, as opposed to playing, again, you're playing a, a certain game. By the way, there's another loophole, which I forgot to mention. One other loophole, which is, they say, if everyone, let's say you're playing a poker game, if everyone puts their money, all their, their money on the table, whatever they're spending that night, so then once it's out on the table, according to one opinion, Tosafot, one of the commentaries in the Talmud said, then, you know, it's basically you're giving up your money. You're taking your pile of money, you're putting it, saying this is, you know, this is for the game tonight. So once you did that, so you're not, then it's, then it's fine. There's no asmacht anymore because you, you're showing that you gave up your money. That's another uh, interesting loophole. Even even if you reserve the right to pick it up and walk away at any time and not play for the duration of the. <laughs> no, I don't. That's a good question. I don't know. There's uh, you, technically when you walk into a Vegas casino with money in your pocket, you've given it away. Okay. I mean. <laughs> well, that's the point. Some people understand that. Some don't. So let me just finish. The, that's the, the logic you use when you go in. Yeah, They're you do. You know that. We should have our next that. one of these in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so now well, the question is, what about Sheldon what about Adelson? Is he? What about owning casinos? Because that a job for a nice Jewish boy, <laughs> right? Can you can own? What about the owner of the casino? Uh, what? So I couldn't think of a better job. Okay. So he's done well with the sands. Has yeah, he's he's done pretty well. So so uh, um, the point is, so what they say is, it could be the, over there also. It's, it's, it, there might, it might be easier in the sense of more lenient because the casinos, even when you win at a casino, when you, let's say, you know, in a slot machine, you know, the sirens go off and you know, everyone comes around. Um, so, so in those cases, the casino wants you to win because, it's, first of all, it's good for business. When, this, you know, when you hit the jackpot, that's part of it. That's how they make, they now all these old ladies come rushing over trying to use the same machine <laughs> for the next two hours, right? So, so the point is, so they're they ready to give away that money. Like you said, there's certain they know how much they're going to lose. At the end of the day, they know they're still coming out on top, even if they're giving this person a million bucks, right? They're still coming out on top. So therefore, there's no issue of a smart. When you're taking money from the house from at a casino, that's part of their business. They they for sure they know exactly how much they're going to give away. Like you said, what is it? Twenty percent? Sixty? You said the casino, but it's right. So, but they know they know the numbers exactly how they're going to work. Therefore, there's no issue of a smart in those cases. So that's what they say. So therefore, it's actually owning a casino um, is less of, you know, or taking from a casino is less of a problem. Um, the owner, on the contrary, and the owner might be a little different because he's taking from the individual. And we're saying the individual might not always know. So that's where it depends. You know, one of, one of the problems with this whole analysis is, is that it's only done on dollars and cents and who loses and who wins. There, there's no value placed on the pleasure of gambling. You're saying according to this? 
according to right. So that's what I want to say. So like dreidel. I mean, people. Right. Do people just go for the pleasure? Right. That's what I always claim. Right. So so listen. If you're going to Vegas for entertainment purposes, you're right. If you're going walking into casino purely for entertainment purposes. Um, that's your goal. Like you want to see what it's about, and you want it. So then you're right. right you so those play, person I'm paying. You want to play blackjack because you enjoy pitting yourself against the the house, or you right. want to play. Right. So you're right. In that case, again, it would be intent. We need to know what you're. It's hard to know. Well, that's or, why people gamble. Depends who. Again, depends uh, which class of society. Hey, so let me just finish because one o'clock, people have to leave. So that so. On the bottom here, I put some sources I found, interestingly enough, and this is written, found, you know, 2,000 years ago, um, about society, about addictive behaviors, and, and that even then they had issues with addictive behaviors, as you see. Um, actually, I found a response from Moshe Feinstein, which uh, written around 20 years ago about, is it permitted halakhically to smoke marijuana? And he discusses it. One of the things he discusses there is addiction, and how it's, uh, he, he ends up prohibiting it for many reasons. Um, but not for this class, it's a separate class. Um, so in the back, what's interesting is, even though we're saying, so there's all these loopholes, but I found two responses, and you see when they were written in the 1300s, um, saying how terrible gambling is. Um, in, um, one of them, it says, if you look at the back over here, it says, even if gambling is legal, he says it is a disgusting, abominable, and repulsive thing. It is now four, about four years since the Atari community of Kalir, which is somewhere in Spain, I believe, gathered in the great synagogue and agreed to impose a total ban of excommunication that no man or woman should play any game involving dice, not for himself, not for others. And he who violates this will bear his sin alone, and the rest of Israel will be innocent. So obviously they had a gambling problem in the 1300s. It's amazing that you see this in the Jewish community. They had a gambling problem, and they had to impose these... Um, what's called excommunication, which is, I found fascinating. And the next one you see a similar thing. He says, every person, um, this is 1223 in Germany. Um, he, this was the head rabbi of chief Germany at the time, the 1200s. He says, every person, whoever it may be, is forbidden to play cards or dice, not only cards or dice, every other kind of game that the math may utter. He says, even on Hanukkah, he puts in there, or other days which Tachna is not recited, even with a woman in labor, and I'm not sure <laughs> what that means. <laughs> Uh, um, it seems like to get maybe to distract her. Right, I don't know, so I'm not sure what that means. He says everyone, whoever may be, um, cannot, shouldn't gamble. So the point is clearly they had an issue even way back when. But again, this is most specific communities they prohibited it. There's a rabbinical decree. As far as initially, what's interesting is um, we don't say off the bat that gambling is prohibited. Um, it would depend on all these it's pretty various scenarios. Opinions being that Talmud doesn't forbid it. Right. Yeah. The Talmud Torah doesn't forbid it, but they decided that they were to be yes. higher than the Talmud or Torah. Well, they had a, they had, clearly had a gambling problem in their, in their community, you're right. Well, so, you know what the story is behind that, what was going on? No, it doesn't say. I'm just saying it just says... Like we've got too many criminals now in society. Instead of going through the normal judicial process, we just need to shoot them. Because we just got to take matters in our own hands and take care. Forget what Torah says. Yeah, I'm saying they're trying... Listen, well, the problem. leaders of society have, have a right to prohibit things that are going to affect society as a whole. So, anyway, it's uh, on Hanukkah, by the way, so there is a custom to play dreidel, even for money. Um, so the, some say that that's okay, others are very against it. So, uh, so, the, so again, when I remember when I was in rabbinical school, because we were very strict, so that we do that loophole of everyone put their money on the table. We played poker on Hanukkah, only Hanukkah, and everyone, all, all the rabbis would put their money in the middle of the table. Yeah, each one bought in for $3. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually 250 <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Thank you very much. Thank you. Make sure everyone had their bar number. Thank you.